I seek revenge on the one who forced me to hide behind this mask. You read Richards. Hey there, and welcome back to Marvel by the Month, the weekly podcast about the monthly publishing history of Marvel Comics. My name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Milne. And we're very happy to have you back uh, here with us. And we're going to be talking about all of the superhero comics that Marvel published in August 1963. Last episode, uh, we had quite a list uh, and a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, This month, not quite so much. Um, There's only uh, five issues that we're going to be covering. um, And those five issues are Fantastic Four, number 17, Journey into Mystery, starring the mighty Thor, number 95, Strange Tales, number 111, with a Human Torch story and a Doctor Strange story. Tales of Suspense, number 44, featuring the Invincible Iron Man. And Tales to Astonish, number 46, with Ant-Man and the Wasp. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything nice to say about (laughs) Ant-Man, so I just decided to say his name. The uh, tiny. Yes, uh, the diminutive (laughs) Ant-Man. Uh, yeah, um, but before we uh, get into our funny books, let's talk a little bit about what was going on uh, in June 1963 when these were uh, on the stands. So, uh, Rob, what do you got uh, for, uh, for June 1963? <laughs> we talked about Birmingham last episode. Uh, so there's some there's a lot of racial tensions. There's a lot of things going on. Um, and in some bad foreshadowing on the 5th, uh, we have President Kennedy uh, flying to El Paso, Texas, where he met U.S. Vice President Lyndon Baines Johnson and Governor John B. Connolly to discuss a presidential tour of Texas to take place in late November 1963. Oh, that's a really nice time to go to Texas. I bet he had a good time. I... Yeah. I don't know a lot about history, <laughs> so I mean, don't spoil it for me. I, I can't wait to hear I how will this not. It, it will get there in just a couple podcasts. Okay, great. Um, and then uh, just five days later, uh, President Kennedy was delivering the commencement address at American University in Washington, uh, and he chose that moment to announce uh, his decision that he was going to suspend nuclear testing and work toward a nuclear test ban treaty with the other atomic powers, which is pretty great. Um, yeah. A welcome bit of good news in the Cold War. Um, so yeah, it seems like as long as Kennedy is uh, running the show, I think everything is just going to turn out just fine for America. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And, you know, sometimes you make big announcements in, in commencement speeches or otherwise when you don't have Twitter. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, so on the 11th, uh, (laughs) we have Alabama, Alabama governor, George C. Wallace stood in the, yep. He stood in the door of the university of Alabama to protest against integration and blocked James Hood and Vivian Malone from enrolling as the first African-American students at the university. So, uh, U.S. Defense Secretary Robert McNamara ordered the Alabama National Guard be placed under the command of the federal government and directed the 31st Infantry Division of the Guard to proceed to Tuscaloosa. So Governor Wallace stepped aside at 3.40 that afternoon after the Alabama National Guard commander, Brigadier General Henry Graham, told Wallace that the Guard would enforce the president's order. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, I guess it's easy to be stupid and racist when you don't have the army telling you to get out of the way. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, he did um, block the full day of school. So, yeah. Way to go. Yay. Good job. Uh, tremendous triumph for uh, George Wallace. 
Um, and uh, on the same day that this was happening, um, President Kennedy delivered um, what has gone down as a historic civil rights address. Uh, and during that, he promised a civil rights bill. Um, and he asked uh, the U.S. government for the kind of equality of treatment that we would want for ourselves. Um, so as this is all happening, um, you know, uh, as this is all happening in Alabama, um, President Kennedy is uh, pushing very strongly for federal civil rights legislation um, at the highest level. Yeah. And and I always I read that like what, what he would want for ourselves, knowing that he's talking to white men. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a white man talking to white men. Um, and but that's, you know, that's literally the audience that needed to be convinced. Um, you know, that's where all the power was entrenched um, and still a lot of it is. And, um, you know, if you want to make change, that's where you have to make that change happen. Um, and it's 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 painful and it's ugly to do it uh, as uh, <laughs> the next day. Yeah, the next day, literally the next day after Kennedy gives this address, uh, Medgar Evers, uh, who is a 37 uh, year old African-American civil rights activist, um, he was shot and killed while standing in his driveway in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, the man who killed him, whose name I'm just not going to bother mentioning. Uh, I don't think he deserves to be remembered. Um, nope. Was arrested within two weeks. Um, he was put on trial twice in 1964. Um, both of those trials ended without the jurors being able to reach a verdict, <laughs> uh, which seems a little insane. Um, and uh, he eluded conviction for 30 more years uh, before finally he was retried uh, and convicted of the murder on February 5th, 1994. Wow. Um, he spent the rest of his life in prison and he died in 2001. So, um, you know, if you are an American and you're watching the nightly news, um, you are seeing, um, you know, in Birmingham, you're seeing water cannons and dogs being sicked on um, peaceful African-American protesters. You're seeing George Wallace block the doors to the University of Alabama um, to prevent the school from being integrated. Um, and then you have, you know, peaceful civil rights activists getting shot in right outside their own homes. Um, it's it, it, it was a, a terribly turbulent time. Um, and I'm not saying that a lot of what we see now in our modern age is not also scary and awful, but um, this is kind of another level, you know, and yeah. and, um, you know, and again, the Marvel Universe is the real universe. And so all this stuff is you know very much front and center on the minds of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and everyone else who's creating comics. Um, uh, and, you know, as we keep saying, you're going to see the stuff start to creep in, um, you know, here, there and everywhere. Yeah. It, and, you know, continuing that theme on um, June 19th, what will become the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was sent by President Kennedy to the United States Congress, the most comprehensive civil rights legislation in United States history. The legislation would be signed into law on July 2nd, 1964. Yep. Uh, yeah. So again, we live in turbulent times, but this was uh, one of the big first waves of civil rights in in what is our country i mean of course 1860 was a turbulent time too yeah but uh this is a big deal yeah and and this is something to remember mm -hmm. and that's something that i feel like marvel helps us remember as they forge their universe yeah yeah and it's it's also important to remember the lead time that goes into producing a comic book so 
you know, from the time that an idea first germinates to the time that a published issue is on the stands, it can be, depending on production schedules and things like that, it can be six months. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, although this stuff is happening right now, like there is a delayed effect. Like you're not going to see this. I mean, first of all, you've got just the pressures of, hey, you know, Marvel still needs to sell comic books <laughs> in the South too, you know? And yep. it's like, so where is the line? Like yeah, just even figuring out how to talk about this in the context of, you know, a comic book where you're, you have commercial considerations, but also, you know, there's a gravity to the situation. You don't want to seem like, you know, you're out of touch or, you know, you're, you're just using it as a, a gimmicky plot device for right. a superhero comic. You know, you got to be, sensitive to it and you know i think it it takes them a little while to figure it out but um and then you've got the production lead time on top of that but um you know it is coming um and uh yeah and i I think some of the stuff that comes out is actually pretty interesting yeah uh also we have on uh back on the 12th the long-awaited film cleopatra starring elizabeth taylor and richard burton had its worldwide premiere in new york city the epic historical drama lasted more than four hours. Yeah. And so this is something that um, had been in production for a very long time. Um, and, uh, you know, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton were two of the biggest stars of the era. Um, There's a lot of talk, a lot of conversation around this um, and uh, a lot of hype around it. And um, it, I think, is directly relevant to one of the issues that we're going to be talking about yeah. um, this week. So this was very in the news much of the time running up to this, the, the release. Yes, so, yeah. absolutely. Um, and talking of those comics, uh, we will start diving right into them uh, after a short break. So uh, stick around. All right. Welcome back to Marvel by the month. Um, we are going to talk about the five comics uh, that we have on our list in just a moment um but first uh i kind of wanted to talk about um something a little cover blurb that we see on four of these five uh comics covers um and i'm sure you noticed it as well oh yeah they started to point this the trademark out uh of like spider-man in the above the price tag in the letters page of the last issue of spider-man uh but they do say uh four of the five issues this month say Marvel Comics Group ushers in the Marvel Age of Comics. And this is a title. Like, yes. it, these are title case. Uh, so the Marvel Age of Comics is a thing they're going for. And think of this as the wrap-up of phase one of the Marvel Comics universe. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Like, just in, in the way that the movies have been split into their distinct phases, um, this is basically the end of the first phase. Uh, this is the, you know, the end of the genesis of Marvel Comics. And now we are entering the Marvel Age of Comics. Um so, you know, what we've seen so far, um, many of the early major Marvel heroes have already been introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got the Fantastic Four, first and foremost. They started the whole thing off, um, especially the Human Torch and the Thing. Um, the Torch, you know, has his own solo stories. The Thing uh, is a very popular character um, in Marvel. Um, and you can't have the Thing without the Hulk, uh, his opposite number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his solo book didn't succeed but um that that character didn't go away yeah you might you might be familiar with uh some of his later work Mm -hmm. um but yeah who else we got we've got thor we've got iron man we've got spider-man we've got ant-man and and now recently we've got the wasp um dr strange just showed up nick fury just showed up so a lot of these cornerstone characters in the marvel universe um you know there would literally be 
thousands more of them coming. But, you know, these are some of the really big heavy hitters. And you can see the analog in in what we're talking about in the cinematic universe. Most of these names uh, come across the same way. Yeah. And even in the same odd way, like the Hulk, there, there's many tries at making a, a Hulk that really resonates with yeah. people in the in the cinematic universe. There's also issues on who controls, you know, what happens. But when Marvel controls their stories, they roll out with these, uh, you know, we see things like Ant-Man, Thor, Captain America, yep. uh, you know, these, these few titles in their phase one, they come out as movies and, and Hulk, Hulk, of course, had a rough time getting to where he was, <laughs> yes, but he did, they yeah. finally, they I think they finally hit on it when Marvel was, you know, steering the ship there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, and Doctor Strange, I forgot. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, and not only have the characters been introduced, but, um, you know, they're starting to cross over into each other's stories. So you're getting the sense of an interconnected universe. So, you know, first we saw uh, Spider-Man showing up at the Baxter building to try to get a job with the Fantastic <laughs> Four uh, in the first issue of Spidey's comic. Um, and in the same month, uh, Hulk wound up fighting the Fantastic Four um, in Fantastic Four number 12. Mm-hmm. Um, in the uh, the Strange Tales annual uh, that we covered a couple weeks ago, um, Strange Tales annual number two, um, Spider-Man and Human Torch, first they started out fighting, then they teamed up um, and kind of began their friendship there. Um, and uh, just last month, we saw uh, Ant-Man showing up in uh, Fantastic Four, and we saw, um, again, uh, Human Torch showing up in Spidey's book. So yep. kind of returning the favor. Um, so... You know, now we're starting to see, uh, you know, this is not just uh, individual characters, but this is a, a universe of characters um, and they're all starting to to inhabit each other's worlds. Yeah. The cross the cross pollination is happening now. Yeah. And, you know, this is if if you recall way back um, before uh, Fantastic Four started, before the Marvel Universe existed, Stan Lee's original mandate that was handed down from his publisher, who's also his cousin, uh, Martin Goodman. Um, it, it was to create Marvel's response to DC's Justice League, which had been very popular, um, you know, and starred all of their biggest and best superhero characters. Um, and I mean, Stan kind of did that. Like the Fantastic Four is sort of the response to the Justice yeah. League. It's like the family version. Yeah. A literal yeah. family. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I mean, really he, he and, and and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and everyone else, like they took it one step further. Instead of just making a super team, Stan oversaw the creation of this interconnected world of heroes and villains um, where it's like it's kind of beyond individuals, beyond teams. But it's like it's it's all in the same worlds. Um, and, you know, next month we're going to see the debut of the book that really, truly is Marvel's response to Justice League. Yeah. Um, you know, and Justice League was, you know, it was a single comic that had. DC's biggest superhero characters all coming together in it. And next month, we're going to see the Avengers, which is exactly that the Marvel Comics version. Um, but yeah, but that's and also <laughs> it, that's also phase two of, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, again, it's introduce the characters, then bring the characters together uh, exactly. and set them in that that world. That was the other key for Stan as he said it in New York City. I yes. mean, almost all the heroes are in and about New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so with all this being said, I just wanted to mention a couple of things that we've been talking about doing with the podcast um, that we're really pretty excited about. So um, first, 
So this episode that you're listening to right now is going to be the last episode of what we're going to call season one of Marvel by the Month. And the second thing is that next week's episode, um, instead of being the next month in Marvel Comics history, is going to be a recap of basically our season one. Um, we're going to go back. We're going to kind of give an overview of everything that we've seen so far uh, in Marvel Comics and just sort of you know chart the development of the characters and you know who we've seen so far mm-hmm. um and that's going to be in preparation for the first episode of season two which is going to come out the following week um and that episode um is going to feature not only the debut of the avengers but also the x-men um both the avengers and the x-men debuted in the same month which is crazy to think about yes it is a big month yeah yeah um you know, our, the goal is basically to help new listeners get up to speed really quickly um, because we don't want to you know, force them to have to go back and listen to 20 hours of us and not <laughs> really know what we're doing. <laughs> but we really appreciate all of you who have listened to 20 hours of us. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Like you're going to get a special badge or something. Like We're going <laughs> to figure something out, like a, a patch that you can sew onto your jacket for, for having gone through all of that. Uh, we really appreciate you sticking with it if you're still listening. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we're pretending that we know what we're doing now, uh, but we know a little bit more than we did then. Yep. So um, we're really excited about it. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got some other ideas uh, that we're excited to roll out that we'll talk about when it, it makes a little bit more sense. But uh, yeah, just to give you the heads up next week, recap of season one following week uh, will be episode one or of season two or episode 19. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, we're super excited with all that said, should we uh, actually talk about some comic books now? It's been almost 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should maybe, uh, yeah, maybe do it, what it says on the box. Yeah. Just give me one, give me one second. Let's take a little <laughs> break and then we'll dive right into these. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Welcome back. And let's get into the five comics we're covering this, uh, this week. So Fantastic Four number 17 is where we will start. And this one was written by Stan Lee with art by Jack Kirby with Dick Ayers. And it's called Defeated by Dr. Doom. And I didn't even say, I'll do it. Doom. Doom. Okay. This is a direct continuation from the end of the last issue. Uh, The first time a Marvel story has been continued from one issue to the next. Yeah. Which is another kind of example of that, like interconnected universe thing, you know? So now it's, it's not just that, you know, characters are showing up in each other's stories, but uh, like literally, this is even inside the same book. We're now seeing a story being continued from issue to issue to issue. So yeah, we're seeing the the sort of episodic uh, issues now of the in this universe of the superhero Marvel universe. Yeah. So we see uh, we ended with Ant Man uh, visiting with the with the Fantastic Four as they got out of the microverse. Um, now we see. Ant-Man leaving. <laughs> um, <so. laughs> and, and the Fantastic Four are so classy, they don't even tell him to, like, don't let the door hit him on the tiny <laughs> ass on the way out. It's so nice. So we see Ant-Man leaving the Baxter building, just shooting off, and they're all waving at him. Uh, and the FF <laughs> recaps their fight against Doctor Doom in the micro world from last issue. Yes. So that that runs through. FF then goes looking for Doom. Because yeah. they know Doom, like, embiggened himself and came into the world again and they've so first things first they got to find this guy before he does you know dr doom stuff right so uh reed invents a device to detect human flesh covered by steel (laughs) 
it seems overly broad. Yeah. And the, the helmet of this device looks much like my headgear from middle school <laughs> without the floral pattern on the side. That was on my headgear, not on his. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the... <laughs> So they're looking for they're looking for human flesh covered by steel. Yeah, it seems like you could hit on a lot of things there. Yeah, but you're gonna get a lot of false positives. Yeah, right? every yeah. Ren fair. Uh, so <laughs> Torch flies over the Earth and uses sonar heat waves to try to find Doom. Yeah, strikes out. It's not a thing. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's 16. Uh, thing thinks he sees Doom on the street, but it's just a costumed guy promoting a movie who almost gets clobbered. <laughs> Uh, he does look like Doom from the back. He I mean, does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Sue decides to spy on what she thinks are some underworld types, but it's just a man and his toy designer. Yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of the biggest stretch. So there's a guy who really does look like he's there to, you know, just murder somebody. And then a guy walks up to him with a gun in a violin case. Uh, you know, so again, yeah, you know, like there's no reason she shouldn't think that this is a terrible person about to do a terrible thing. Also, the guy has, he looks like the red ghost. Oh like, yeah. He yeah. looks exactly like the red ghost. So I was like, Oh, what's the red ghost doing already in this story? Yeah. Uh, not. Nope. Um, but it turns out uh, he does have a gun, uh, which he aims at the man who hands it to him. Uh, Sue knocks the barrel out of the way while she's invisible. And it turns out it's just filled with ping pong balls. Uh, <laughs> it's just a toy gun. Um, and now the the guy uh, who pulled the trigger on it is angry at the toy designer. He's like, I thought you said it would never miss. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, you can't account for the in, the invisible girl popping up. I guess not. Uh, so, yes, they, they all return empty-handed and they gr- get, get dressed up to go out. Um, and, <laughs> and then an elevator operator who helps them uh, evade a crowd of adoring fans uh, turns out is actually Doom in disguise, uh, which is also weird. Doom slips yeah. a plastic disc onto each of their hands as he shakes their hands to, you know, he sort of plays the fanboy and yeah. does that. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, like those little things that you put on, like if you've got like a, a corn on your foot, um, yep. like a little, yeah. little sticker thing to... The yeah. circle band-aid. Yeah, the circle band-aid, exactly. But it looked like Doom was actually, you know, wearing his disguise as like an old sea captain janitor over I, his full I was, armor it's <laughs> just gonna say that it's like it's like he just pulled out everything in his <laughs> in his costume trunk and he's like i look like an elevator operator this is surely what american <laughs> elevator operators look like right i'm like they i think they they're like put I, ben has his arm around him at one point i'm like does he feel the that the guy this guy's like got some guns he just feels like metal <laughs> underneath that shirt uh, anyway, I, we don't know. He, he at least is putting on his cowl afterward, but he's obviously one leg in the like coveralls. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll just leave that. Um, it's also, you know, he's doom. He does what he does. Sure. So, uh, it t- turns out these little bandaid discs are homing devices for weird floating robots that follow them around the city. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you've ever seen a uh, big hero six, they basically look like uh, a bunch of Baymaxes, uh, just like these big like balloon guys uh, like totally non-threatening but just weird yeah and i i pictured sort of stay puffed marshmallow man without his hat so uh and yeah they just float around like casper the indifferent ghost and uh (laughs) for each of them so all four have their own weird bubbly ghost yeah um one interrupts torch's date right as he's about to to get a kiss uh one causes ben to lose his temper while, while out with alicia uh and he's and you know they're they're 
you can't actually make contact with them. They, uh, they're immaterial. So right. yeah. Like he, he just punches through the thing without damaging it. And everyone's <laughs> laughing at him, and, which is just making him angrier. Yeah, yeah. And that's his thing, you know? So, uh, and then one disrupts Sue's photo shoot for a savings bond poster. Um, and one distracts Reed while he's being granted an honorary degree. I, I feel like Reed would be getting an actual degree, but right. yeah. Yeah. Surely he has plenty of degrees at this point. Like, yeah. He's just going to misplace this one. Yeah. But yeah. he got interrupted. So he was, he was, uh, you know, sad. Yeah. Um, then, <laughs> so, uh, they go back to the Baxter building and discover the discs. <laughs> when they remove the discs, the robots vanish. Uh, Doom says that the robots did their job because yes. he appears in like a projection suddenly in the walls of the Baxter building. Right. Doom abducts Alicia to lure the FF to his floating laboratory. So he just sort of lifts her up as she's walking down the street unrelated yeah. and brings her to this cloud covered laboratory. Yes. It says that, that he uses a strange grappler ray. It so, looks like that. Yeah. Or she, it looks like a, the smell of a big chicken leg in a Looney Tunes cartoon. And she's so hungry. Yeah. She, she just she floats looks, through the air. It looks like something like that. Gotta get that chicken leg. Uh, so Doom issues his demand. He wants to be given a cabinet position <laughs> in the U.S. government. I don't I, know why that's what he wanted. Like, I love how modest this demand. I mean... Like, it's not modest, right? So it, it, it's a high-ranking position, but it's like, you know, other supervillains are like, you know, I want control of the world. I am monarch of everyone. Right, yeah. yeah. He's just like, no, I mean, just make me like one of 20 like guys who Secretary hangs up with of the Agriculture, what? <laughs> what the hell? It's like, I... aim higher, Victor. <laughs> Come on. So that's a really bizarre demand. Yeah. Uh, then uh, President, uh, and it, and they, they indicate, which is some hairline and hairdo that this is this jfk yes um the president refuses his demands and then he says and now gentlemen if you'll excuse me it's caroline's bedtime <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like, they really nailed that down yeah uh then doom starts messing with electronic systems across the country yeah so being denied he's you know going to mess everything up yeah so it's like uh, missile guidance systems are all thrown out of whack um uh like uh, in factories and laboratories, everything's going haywire. So, uh, you know, like folks can't go to work. Um, you know, every basically everything is being ground to a halt because Doom is messing with everything uh, because he really, really wants that cabinet position. Yeah. And <laughs> and needless to say, uh, Benjamin J. Grimm is very upset that his lady friend has been abducted by Doom. Yes. He is losing his mind. Yeah. But Reed figures out that because he's read that there's must be some kind of floating laboratory tracks doom's laboratory down but also sees they can't just attack it the floating robots were designed to transmit a printed circuit of the ff's bodies so those printed circuits are linked up to disintegrator rays that will destroy them if they approach so those previous floating bubbly casper guys uh they have they were actually taking in information so that they can build a defense system yeah so now if if the fantastic four approaches in any way um the dooms defense systems will just infallibly recognize them and destroy them and reed understands this so he's yeah. like so reed starts a plan or has a plan of course he temporarily turns ben human uh so that he can bypass the disintegrator rays so yeah um and, you know, we all know now Ben stays human, you know, just uh, 
small amount of time. But Ben stays human just long enough to crash Doom's laboratory and take out the disintegrator rays. And that's this like he has to will himself to stay human for just long enough and then is happy to change back to the thing. Yes. Which is uh, his first. Yep. So the rest of the FF follows and each winds up going their separate ways and facing traps set by Doom. This is getting to be a little more by the numbers of Mm -hmm. like a, you know, normal Marvel story at this point. Uh, Johnny gets locked in a spinning room and disables it by exploding his power. Uh, Reed's room fills with cement, but he stretches thin enough to find air pockets and slip under the door. The thing falls down a trap door and slides down a greased pole, but his (laughs) love for Alicia gives him the strength to grip harder and climb back up. And that's that's a it's bizarre, but Mm -hmm. it's it it is like a moving scene. Yes. Um, then Doom sends power spheres after the three boys to surround them and trap them as he sees them, you know, they, they're free and approaching him, but they actually surrounded Johnny's flame duplicates of them. So these, (laughs) so Johnny can now make flame duplicates that look like other people moving and, uh, whatever. But, uh, so the power spheres do not, uh, effectively, I think they were going to, uh, surround them and then beam them to a different dimension. So, Uh, that didn't happen. Nope. And the FF boys bust into Doom's control room, and he escapes behind a force field. And when they bust in, he is really surprised. Yeah. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Sue has found Alicia and takes her place. So she's uh, got Alicia hiding. Doom rushes in to seize her and use her as a hostage, but Sue kicks the crap out of it. It is so, this is like <laughs> my favorite part in the entire book. Yeah, like, me too. And... It's been such a long time coming, but like Sue, she totally holds her own and is just like. She's just using judo on him yep. and like just knocking him around. It's great. <laughs> uh, she fights him to a standstill long enough for the boys to find them. Realizing he's beaten, Doom dives out of an escape hatch and then just plummets to his almost certain death. Like they just show multiple panels of him getting smaller, <laughs> falling through clouds. No parachute. Yep. No magic jet coming to catch him or something. Just falling. So yep. once again, that's probably the last we'll see of Doom. Oh, yeah. No, almost certainly. There, there's no way Doom is going to come back from this. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Fantastic Four number 17. Um, and that concludes what is, you know, kind of a two part story. Um, but, you know, a, a nice, big, long, epic fight against uh, the greatest villain that Marvel has introduced so far. Um, and yeah, pretty satisfying conclusion, especially with uh, with Sue getting her licks in there. At the yeah, end. that so, was awesome. Yeah. Um, great. Well, let's take another uh, quick break. And then uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the other four books uh, here uh, for August 1963. All right. And we are back. Uh, let's talk about some more funny books. Um, so there's four more stories to get through, actually five stories across four comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't feel like it's a, it was a waste of time to read all these things, but, you know, uh, it is it. It's kind of a shame that this was the month that Marvel chose to promote the dawn of the Marvel Age of Comics because, you know, honestly, like the Fantastic Four story is good, mm-hmm. um, but you know these other four are just you know I don't know they're they're kind of duds uh, each in their own special way. Not that there's not a couple good things here and there, but um, not the best Thor or Iron Man or Ant Man or Human Torch stories we've ever read. No, so, not at all. Yeah. They're they're middling. They're not the worst. Yeah. Um. Again, <laughs> Marvel Age of Comics is unleashed with this story, Journey into Mystery number ninety five, <laughs> written by R. Burns with Stan Lee, art by Joe Sinnott, and it's called the Demon Duplicators. 
which sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty sweet. Uh, the cover promises us that Thor will fight a far more powerful duplicate of himself with two hammers. Oh my god, are you serious? Uh, two hammers? Yeah. Wow. So you know Thor is going to lose. It's hammer time. Uh, oh. Um, lame Dr. Blake is not just a lame doctor of medicine, it turns out. He's also a lame doctor of android science or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Just stay with me. <laughs> All right. He creates a powerful android, which he has Thor introduce in partnership with Professor Zaxton. Oh, Zaxton. That sounds like a totally non-villainous name. Yeah, totally. Uh, prof- uh, whoops. Professor Zax- Zaxton turns out to be pretty evil. Oh, man. There you go. One bullet point away. And intentionally <laughs> destroys the android. So this cool android that lame Dr. Blake mustered up is now destroyed. Yeah, he... Uh, he- He's sort of like a proto-vision. Yeah, it's like a green green man yep. who has, you know, he can be controlled by a little palm remote control. Yeah. Uh, so um, it, he then kidnaps uh, Prof- Professor Zaxton, then uh, kidnaps Jane Foster, which happens often, yep. and demands that lame Dr. Blake help him perfect his duplicating machine, which makes exact copies of things and people with the opposite personalities. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's not really a duplicating machine then, is it? <laughs> no. And, yeah. and also when it's an object, like what, what, like what's the, op- what's the evil version of a table? Yeah. Like, anyway, right. I, I went down that hole for a while. I felt <laughs> like I was stoned. Um, um, so yeah. So, so, uh, Zaxton wants to have, uh, lame Dr. Blake help, uh, him out perfecting this duplicating machine. Um, because you know, in the Marvel universe, if you're a genius <laughs> at one thing, uh, you're a genius at everything. So, you know, it's like, oh, you can do surgery? Oh, well, you can probably, you know, build androids and also help me with my duplicating, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, his doctorate seemed to be just specifically medicine before, but now who knows? No, it's it's an omni-doctor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then uh, Blake refuses, but uh, Zach Stahn discovers he's Thor uh, as he's changing and arguing about Jane Foster. And... Uh, and then he duplicates Thor. Yeah, yeah. And then he gives him a second hammer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so Thor and duplicate Thor fight for a little bit before Thor realizes he doesn't have to fear duplicate Thor because he's not worthy of the power of Thor. That's right. He doesn't have the purity of heart. So it's like he can't harness the power of duplicate Mjolnir. Yeah, he can sort of wing it around a bit, but it doesn't really hit with any oomph. You're right. So uh, Thor goes to bring Zaxton to justice, but he duplicates himself. Uh, Zaxton duplicates himself and then accidentally falls to his death. So because it's an opposite, uh, he duplicates himself and makes a good Zaxton and bad Zaxton falls into the freeway. Right. Uh, <laughs> Thor covers up the fact that Zaxton is dead and decides to let the good duplicate Zaxton just sort of pick up where the original left off, but with a pure heart. Yeah, so... I. I mean, Thor's supposed to be the good guy in the story, right? And yet he's just like, I'm just going to cover up this accidental death as if nothing has happened. Uh, and we're all good now, right? Right. Okay. There's your uh, there's your journey into mystery for the month. Um, well, I'll go ahead and uh, take us through the two stories of Strange Tales, uh, number 111. Um, so the first is a uh, Human Torch story uh, called Fighting to the Death with the Asbestos Man. Um, so, you know, first of all, premise sort of makes sense, right? Um, you've got a guy whose power is being a human torch. 
Um, so, you know, you his arch villain should be a man who's got asbestos powers. Um, and let's also hope that uh, one of his powers is uh, immunity to mesothelioma. Fight fire with fireproof. Right, exactly. Um, so we see the uh, story opens with Professor Orson Kasloff, who thinks he should be a wealthy man with his scientific genius, um, but he feels like he's constantly being exploited by his bosses. Uh, he decides he's going to try his hand at crime and uh, make himself <laughs> some money, um, but he quickly realizes that his scientific smarts don't translate to criminal genius. <laughs> they are two separate skills. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, then he decides he's going to try to uh, find some actual criminals to help him criminal. Um, but it turns out that just walking up to criminals and saying, hey, I'm looking for criminals to do crimes with isn't actually the best approach. Um, they are they think it's a setup or they just don't want anything to do with him. Um, so he decides what he needs to do is publicly defeat the human torch. Uh, and this will impress the criminal underworld. And then he'll be able to execute you know, his plan, you know, phase three profit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> phase two question mark. Right. Or let's do crimes. Right. Um, so what he does uh, is he crafts himself an asbestos suit of armor. He calls himself the asbestos man. And he issues a public challenge to the torch. Um, and, you know, Johnny, being a hot-headed teenager, uh, he, of course, winds up accepting. Um, and uh, asbestos man actually succeeds in defeating the torch. Because Johnny just comes straight at him with fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Johnny is like the fourth smartest member of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Did you not hear the guy's name, Johnny? Yeah, uh, come yeah. on, man. You know what asbestos is. Like, it's been referenced a bunch of times. Yeah, your entire bedroom is asbestos. Right. The thing you can't set on fire. That's what he's covered in. <laughs> uh, anyway, he goes home. He sulks. Uh, and his sister Sue gives him a pep talk, which is basically don't use your fire directly against him, <laughs> dummy. Um, and then so Johnny comes back for round two, um, and he uses his flame indirectly against the asbestos man this time. Mm-hmm. So he does things like he burns the floor underneath him to uh, cause him to fall through it, and he like burns through a chandelier above him to have it crash down and things. And it's like it's like oh, these things are not fireproof. Right. He um, puts a cage of fire around him to eat the oxygen around right, him. Right. Yeah. So he basically almost smothers him. Yeah. Uh, before he uh, before the asbestos man finally taps out. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Johnny wins. Uh, and that is the end of our human torch story for the month. <laughs> um, there's one more uh, story in uh, uh, in Strange Tales. Uh, and uh, it's with uh, Doctor Strange himself. Uh, so this is the second Doctor Strange story. Um, this one's written by uh, Stan Lee and illustrated by Steve Ditko. Um, and uh, this one is called Face to Face with the Magic of Baron Mordo. Um, so in this second Doctor Strange story, we meet Baron Mordo, um, who was also a student of what we're still calling the Master, but we will um, soon come to know as the Ancient One. Um, and so uh, Mordo, uh, he possesses uh, one of the Master's servants, and he uses the servant to drug the Master's food with a hypnotic potion. Mordo, in astral form, uh, approaches the Master, and he demands that he share his mystical secrets or he will not give him the antidote. Uh, The Master refuses, and uh, Doctor Strange uh, appears uh, in astral form as well, Um, and he sees that Mordo is up to no good. Um, So uh, Strange and Mordo fight in the astral plane, Um, just two ghosts going at it. That's pretty much this whole issue, by the way, which I... 
I wanted to have a Ditko panel of Doctor Strange, uh, but this issue is weirdly just like two ghosts fighting yeah. for six pages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not even always just fighting. Sometimes they're just talking to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird. They're just having like a, a, a strongly worded disagreement. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very dense story it, it, it's a lot of story packed into a very few pages what is it like five pages long or yeah, something? yeah yeah i think it's five or six yeah, yeah six pages um so like nine panel grids all the way through so uh while strange and mordo are, are fighting on the astral plane uh strange uses his amulets uh the amulet of agamotto it's not the eye of Agamotto yet. I oh, learned that. But it is an eye it, that opens. It is an eye that opens, <laughs> but apparently the eye of Agamotto is a different thing that we he will get later, but he hasn't gotten it yet. This is the amulet of Agamotto. Okay, so, I'll roll with that. I know, I know. There's lots of magical relics out there. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, and so uh, Strange, he turns the, uh, the light of the amulet uh, on the master, um, which heals the master. Uh, and then Strange tells Mordo that he is going to use the amulet to find Mordo's body and then make sure that he can never return to it. So Mordo freaks out. He flies back to his body. Strange is in hot pursuit. Mordo gets back into his body. He's like, ha ha, beat you. And Strange is like, that's what I wanted you to do anyway, <laughs> dummy. It's like, now you're back in your body. You've broken the spell over the master and he's fine and safe and you just lost. So you're done, son. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the end of our uh, Doctor Strange story. And we do have Baron Mordo, which is a is a big character. Yeah, uh, totally. He's and, he's like the arch villain. Yeah. You know, of of Strange. So yeah, um, a major two major uh, Doctor Strange characters uh, introduced in each of the uh, the first two Doctor Strange stories. So we got Nightmare in the first one, and now we've got Baron Mordo. So yeah. the Rogues Gallery is filling up quick. I don't know what it is about Steve Ditko, but it's like every villain he creates early on in a character's run just winds up being like a seminal villain. Right, right. he's good at villains. He's good at villains, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into uh, Tales of Suspense, number 44. Okay. So what's Iron Man up to? Uh, he, uh, this one's written by R. Burns with Stan Lee and art by Don Heck. The timing on this one couldn't have been better. So Stan had obviously been reading some news <laughs> and thinking of Cleopatra was in the back of his head. But yeah. uh, with Cleopatra debuting in theaters that month, and it was almost certainly not an accident, though. So uh, Tony Stark agrees to loan Iron Man out to archaeologists in Egypt who are looking for the tomb of the Mad Pharaoh. Yes, which uh, sounds like it should be a King Diamond song. Yeah, I can almost hear it. Yep. Uh, they do find it and remove the mummy, who, who turns out to be very much alive and awakes from a 2,000-year slumber. He drank a potion that put him into suspended animation after losing a battle against Cleopatra's armies. He does say he was embalmed and everything, but what, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool potion. Right. It's a very good potion that <laughs> means you can stay alive and intact even after all your blood is taken out and your brains are pulled out through your nostril and everything else that they used to do yep. um, when they mummified uh, folks back then. But he's he's kicking. Yeah. So uh, the Mad Pharaoh forces Tony Stark to journey back into the past or he won't cure the archaeologists of the plague that he infected them with. So once in the past, Stark changes into Iron Man and destroys the Roman army that has Cleopatra under siege. This is the Roman army that uh, was at Cleopatra's gates. uh, And historically, she committed suicide rather than be taken by the Romans. So uh, by defeating this army, not only did 
uh, Iron Man get into her good graces, but he actually saved her life. So, yeah. which is something that they're not explicit about in the story, but that is a that's a historical fact. <laughs> and so Iron Man tells Cleopatra that that the Mad Pharaoh is raising an army against her, and he leads her soldiers against him. So. Once again, the Mad Pharaoh is on the losing end of the fight, and yeah. he, he tries to travel back to 1963, but Iron Man gets his time travel gizmo away from him and travels back instead. The end. The end. Yep. Yeah, because now the Mad Pharaoh doesn't have his uh, magical potion. So uh, when he gets captured by uh, Cleopatra's forces, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and much like the uh, the early issue of Fantastic Four where they're, they're pirates, it is pretty interesting to see Iron Man messing up some chariots and catapults. Yeah, and things. it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that is actually a good bit. Um, and then there's kind of like this slightly creepy recurring theme of uh, people just keep explicitly referencing Cleopatra to Tony Stark, like before he goes back in time. It's yeah. like, oh, you're going back to the land where Cleopatra's from. It's like, wow, I, I bet you'd have a good time with her if you went back in right. time. You know, or like, I bet she would be, she wouldn't even be into you. Just like weirdly, everyone decides to mention Cleopatra to Tony Stark. Right, yeah. right. Because he's a playboy, you see. He's yep. a playboy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we got one more of these. It's an Iron Man story. I'm going to fall on this grenade. Oh, um, right. This okay. tiny, tiny grenade. This tiny, tiny little <laughs> grenade. Uh, I bet I can do this one in uh, a minute or less uh, because that's about how much uh, plot there is to this thing. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is uh, Tales to Astonish number 46 uh, written by H.E. Huntley, which is the pen name of Ernie Hart um, with uh, plotting assist by Stan Lee. Um, the art uh, is also by Don Heck in this one. Um, and this is When Cyclops Walks the Earth. Not the Cyclops you're thinking of. Not he shows up next month. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so basically, long story short, uh, the whole point of the story is that Ant-Man and the Wasp, who are very small, must fight the uh, legendary Cyclops, who is very big. <laughs> um, Henry Pym and Janet Van Dyne have had no superheroing action for a little while, um, and so they decide to take a vacation in Greece, which is where they are, when they hear that the Cyclops has been lurking on nearby islands. Uh, he's been capturing sailors, and uh, he's basically scared all of the uh, fishermen and boat owners uh, from leaving shore um, because he's just, you know, he's abducting and destroying ships. So all of Greece is at a maritime standstill. Exactly. Which just is, wanted to say, say maritime standstill. Maritime standstill, yeah. Which which is pretty severe for Greece, you know. Um, they, they like their boats. Um, so anyway, uh, at, at I'm assuming uh, significant expense, they wind up uh, renting a boat uh, from uh, a fisherman who will not take them out in it, um, but he's happy to take their money. Um, so they uh, they costume up and they head out, uh, only to discover that the Cyclops is real. Ta-da! Well, sort of. <laughs> uh, so it's actually a robot creation of some aliens, uh, and they're the ones who have been kidnapping and experimenting on the captured soldiers. Yep. They are, you know... Um, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before. They're prepping an invasion of Earth. Um, and so uh, while Wasp is busy rescuing the sailors, uh, Ant-Man enters the robot Cyclops' mouth uh, and gets into his inner workings, uh, and he winds up figuring out how to take control over it. Uh, and so he starts leading the Cyclops against the aliens, which absolutely terrifies them um, because now they believe that uh, humanity is too technologically advanced to, for them to conquer, um, and so they flee uh, and are never heard from again. 
Um, and so uh, the story ends with uh, <laughs> Ant-Man ordering the Cyclops to just walk into the ocean and keep walking um, until he falls off the ocean shelf. Cease to resist. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. So, um, yep, it's uh, another short and uh, I'm not going to say sweet Ant-Man story. It's not a very sweet story, but uh, I do like the fact that the Wasp is in these. It does make Ant-Man stories easier to read. It does, yeah. yeah. I, having a, a second character in there and having someone for him to play off of, like she's she's a really really good addition to the book. That's the, like the one thing they've gotten right with Ant Man so far. Yeah, I, and I did notice they they call her Janice at one point yeah. in the book too. They they just can't nail these things down yet, but yeah. they're very busy at Marvel. Yeah, yeah, it's like Stan is supposed to be the editor, but he's also like plotting every single book and right. scripting half of them. <laughs> it's like, man, you got you got to take some of those hats off, son. Yeah, that's yeah. why that's why you don't you know check your you don't qa your own code you don't uh edit your own script yep Yep. exactly you need other other pairs of eyes um all right well let's go ahead and uh, take one final break when we come back we'll do our uh, panels of the month so stay tuned all right and we're back um, so, uh, I think I'll go ahead and do my panel of the month first, because I think you were saying that you wanted to grab the same one oh, and yeah. then I beat you to the punch. Yep. Um, but yeah, so my panel, um, and I, I think it really like sincerely is the, the best panel out of everything we read this month. Um, it's in uh, fantastic four, number 17, page 21, panel five. Uh, it's when Sue is just kicking the crap out of Dr. Doom. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, it's great. It's like the first time we see. Sue, not just kind of like doing something indirect, um, you, you know, like not using the environment to like trip up a bad guy or something, but she's literally doing judo to him. And like she evades one of his traps and he's she just puts him on the defensive and he he's totally like overwhelmed by her. He like he's surprised that she's putting yeah. up such a good his fight. body language is that he is like half cowering. Yeah. 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 He doesn't he, he doesn't know where she is. He's also like been knocked back on his heels several times because the boys have been you know frustrating his plans too. He expects that when he just runs in to grab Alicia, this is going to be his way to like to get the the uh, initiative back. Um, but Alicia's not there and Sue is, and then she goes invisible and just starts beating him up. <laughs> he's just like Doom is not having a good day. No, uh, and it's beautiful to see. Uh, and then like the cherry on top is. Uh, so as she's uh, just, you know, karate chopping him and everything, uh, she says, don't ever forget that I was taught judo by one of the world's greatest experts, Reed Richards. And in my <laughs> book, anything you can do, Mr. Fantastic can do better. <laughs> so it's like just insult to injury. Oh, man. It's so good. Yeah. Go Sue. Yeah, that that was my go to panel like that. The thing that stood out in my memory from everything this month was that one panel and i and when it when it came down to this you know all the boys had been isolated and you knew sue was going to go head to head i'm like please let sue just do something cool and then they came through yeah yeah uh, she she did but so having to pick a runner up <laughs> uh i picked a strange tales number 111 page 1 panel 1 um this is just the 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 big setup shot for the Asbestos Man story. Um, Asbestos Man looks pretty cool, like with a sort of like a mohawked gas mask. Yeah, and uh, 
and this is a Dick Ayers art uh, piece, and it's just a, it's a great piece too. It's just laid out great. Johnny's in the foreground. Uh, the way he has Johnny's flames is just this very distinctive illustrated style. Yep. So I and and the perspective of Johnny in the air looking down. Uh, and then we have like a newspaper guy in the background. Uh, so it's just, it's a, it's a great shot. And I was like, good job, Dick Ayers. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, that this was a noteworthy panel and, and he has a, a few in this issue, but, uh, and Ditko weirdly didn't really have very much cause he's just mm-hmm. doing the nine panel thing. I feel like Ditko does better with just a little more space. Yeah. Yep. He doesn't need a ton of stuff, but he, he he's, he's a lot better when, uh, when his stories get to breathe a little bit more, um, he's better doing a, a full book length story uh, than those little, little tiny cramped short stories. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a really fun panel. I think, like you said, the design of the asbestos man is pretty funky. I mean, he looks like something like out of uh, like Mad Max. Yeah, or Road Warrior like stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really good splash page, and we don't throw a lot of love dick air's way uh, a lot of the time so yeah like uh it's a nice nice chance to highlight someone who we kind of gloss over and so. it, it was i mean i stayed on this page for a while just because the asbestos man was so hilarious to yes. me i mean and and of course that's what worth mentioning too i had to look him up and he he does come back yep and he uh and he does come back just to die yeah of uh, mesothelioma yeah like 30 <laughs> he comes back in the 90s yeah yeah so we you, this will be another recurring thing you'll notice like sometimes these bit characters like the fox uh will come back and they they don't leave much on the cutting room floor or mm-hmm. if not they sweep it up to be retconned later right right so it's uh it it you know the joke they got the joke and they pay, paid off on it yes. like, much much later like yep. 60 years later <laughs> poor asbestos man then again the guy was a jerk so yep. you know you live by the asbestos you die by the asbestos okay yep. uh man we're out of comics to talk about uh let's go ahead and wrap this thing up shall yeah. we all right uh thanks for listening to another one uh thanks for sticking through all of season one of marvel by the month um this has been awesome um we had the idea to start doing this about two years before we actually started doing it so um it is quite a rush to be able to say that we actually put a season in the books here and we're really excited for uh seasons two and beyond yeah and as we mentioned last episode we will be at the rose city comic-con here in portland so look for some uh guys with some uh marvel by the month logo on them and come say hi and get some swag we'll have some stuff for you um cool and uh in between now and then uh definitely uh, always feel free to drop us a line at marvel by the month at gmail.com you can hit us up on instagram at marvel by the month um and uh our website is marvel by the month.com which has links to the rest of our social presences and all sorts of other things um so yeah uh until next week I guess I'm just going to keep on keeping on being Brian Stratton. And I will keep on remaining redundantly Rob Mill. And we will see you next week for next month. <laughs>